Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults age 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4. This is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512 836 0590. I've been listening to your show for years and years and years. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. One of the stories we're discussing is out of California, where an elementary school principal is now on leave after reportedly pretending to shoot students during an active shooter drill. This is Ray in Pflugerville with comments on that story. Good afternoon, Ray. How are you? Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. You know, I got to say that that illustrates what's, uh, the problem in a lot of these districts, educational districts. I mean, they get people that have no reason or no business in charge of these schools. The lady clearly has no common sense. What should happen to her, she should lose her certification and she should go on to some other job. You know, it's... Um, bad enough that she did that, but then, you know, what effect is it going to have on children? And that's, I mean, I was a teacher for 19 years, and I saw these things happen here in Austin AISD many times over over the years. People being promoted and put in places where they had no business being. Now, I also told your screener that uh, as far as the, we're, that we're creating a, a nation of soft individuals, and by that I mean that Clearly, she shouldn't have said that to those children and pointed her finger like to kill them and whatnot. But let's be honest. I'm 62 years old. I've lived through a lot of things. And i got to tell you, what they get exposed in <laughs> through the media, movies, is probably a lot more horrific than what that lady did, although I don't excuse her. And so that creates a nation of soft individuals. Then later on, as adults, they show that by allowing illegals into our country. And a lot of other things that are happening... And in the and in the flip side of it, they're they're soft where they should be, hard and hard where they should be soft. And that's why I called in to let you know about how I felt about that situation with the school and how we're creating a, a nation of soft individuals. Really, you know, I, that's a good point because that that went through my mind when I first read this story. Man, it's, we're we're kind of soft, but then again, I changed my view. Uh, Ray, because these are young, young, young kids. These are not middle school kids or high school kids who, who who should be able to take it if your principal goes bam, bam, bam with a finger and say, hey, you're dead. You didn't follow the rules. Yeah, they said as young as four years old. Again, yeah. It's about the age appropriateness to me. It just, that's, that's, yeah. This wasn't that. It wasn't. I agree with you. I mean, you also have to look at the culture of the children because I taught pre-K for four-year-olds were there. And uh, clearly here, my school was a Title One school. And the children that we served that came to our school, that would not affect them. So we have to also, I agree with you, consider their background. And, you know, and, that, and that's where you, what I got to say is this. If you were to take those four-year-olds, in this case, in California, I'm not sure what their culture or their social status is or their, or their parents, and you stack them up side by side to children that went to my school, my kids are hard. By that, I mean they experience death at an early age by grandparents. Uh, some of them got into an accident, lost their grandmother. They were just sitting there watching the body there. They lost pets. They, they came across 
you know, countries to reach this, uh, reach our land, reach uh, America. And um, they're hard. But we have to be careful when we want our children and people to be hard because it can be hard in a good way. Like the old guys, you know, the old people. Yes. Uh, from World War II and World War I, but, uh, you know, or hard like the hard cases that'll hurt anyone just for whatever one they want to take away from them. So it's a double-edged sword, but I do think that sometimes we go too extreme and we are creating soft individuals because really it shouldn't be based on their culture or the background or how much money your parents have. It should be something that's instilled in them, a character. All right. Got you, Ray. Thank you. Have a good one. 512-836-0590. Call or text to join the conversation. You know, we've, we, we have... We're very, we're we're sensitive in more places in our schools. I know we had that story yesterday about the counselors and trying to identify trouble, trouble kids, which I I, I applaud us doing that. But sometimes we, it needs to be a little tough love when they get older. The statesman is reporting that the Austin City Council had a meeting today to get an update on what's happening regarding the homeless in Austin. One of their very top priorities at the Austin City Council. What's jumping out to you, Melinda, in this report from the statesman? Oh, where, where to begin, where to begin. I hope the the city council members didn't walk away from this thinking they now have all the information that they needed and this was completely transparent. One, the number of people that are experiencing homelessness, as they put it, way higher than we've heard out of the city for quite some time. We're talking well above 6,500 people here. And then... They, they broke down where what we're seeing exiting from these emergency shelters by data. And as I compare the data from 2222 to that of 2023, we're doing worse. We are doing worse and spending more money. And it, to me, still, so much... So many more questions. They put everything in percentage points. Such and such percentage did this. Such and such percentage did that. Give me numbers. Give me actual numbers. But when I say in the comparison from year to year, they said that they had more people this year leave the shelter to unknown destinations than they have in the previous year, meaning we have no idea what happened to them. Uh, Only 3% in 2023 exited the shelter to permanent Permanent, supportive housing. 3%. Think about the money that we're spending. And then only 3%. Again, I don't know what 3% is. Is that 100 people or Mm -hmm. is that one person? Right. Well, and this, uh, yes, Ed. Well, yeah, and I was interested. 22% are exiting into unsheltered homelessness or other institutions, jails. Hospitals or inpatient treatment facilities. Uh, In this uh, report, I don't see a single word indicating how much taxpayer money has been spent in these last two years to achieve this. There's nothing in here about the number of homeless who now have jobs, whether they're part-time or full-time. Not a word, not a sentence on either one of those topics in this long story in the Statesman. And that's probably because it didn't come up at the city council meeting. Well, and that's why I said I hope the city council members didn't walk away from this going, oh, okay, I feel better informed and I feel better about the money that we're spending. They should have, and again, it's not reported if they did, 
they should have been asking the questions that we're asking. Give me cold, hard numbers. How many people is that? How much money has gone to that? What do you mean they're exiting to unknown destinations? What does that look like? They just get up and leave one day and you have no Mm -hmm. follow-up? Right. Uh, The report indicates Austin now has 1,075 permanent shelter beds for the homeless. But remember, the city council was told we have almost 6,500 that they know of in the city who are homeless. Uh. Uh, 1,100 of those are in some kind of a shelter. 5,500 are still living in campsites around the city. Well, even on that, is that simply because we don't have the bed capacity or is that because they refuse to go to service? I mean, that's, that's, a, that's another question Always to ask. a question. That's always a question with me. How many of these individuals want to have that lifestyle when they're at a camp, when they're under the stars? And uh, that's I think that's the main deal to try to convince them you got to get some type of shelter in indoors. 512-836-0590. You can join the discussion. It's Mark, Melinda, and Ed, 311 at KLBJ. On your radio or streaming on your digital device, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Hope you're having a great afternoon. It's 316. Tate is here producing, and this is John on KLBJ. Good afternoon, John. Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen and ladies. <laughs> Welcome hey, aboard, John. Uh, my thought was the, the terminology that the other side of the coin is using is people experiencing homelessness. I, I struggle with that because I think there's more people choosing homelessness than experiencing it. Now, I'm sure there's a great percentage of people that, that are in need and definitely need a, a Christian helping hand. But uh, I also think that there's a huge majority of people that are just taking what's out there and uh, not participating, not wanting to improve, move, or anything. If uh, what, did, what did Melinda say a while ago? 3% were uh, just disappeared. They might have found something that they could do and get away. No, 18% case, just they, they don't know where they go. Only 3% are going to permanent supportive housing. So even if you just take that number and you're talking about what you're talking about, whether they want to get help or they just want to live that life and be left alone, 3% would speak to they, they for the most part, just want to be left alone. If only 3% of all of those that get into the shelter move on to permanent housing, that's a very small number that wanted to improve the situation and work to do so. And I, I would say those people are the ones that are uh, uh, were experiencing homelessness and has improved. But that leaves 97 percent that are just uh, taking a handout and going with it. Uh, I think the terminology ought to be be changed to something a little bit different than that to make it more accurate to what people are talking about. But anyway, I hate to sound hard hearted about it, but this has never improved. There's been millions and millions of dollars spent and more planned. What a couple of hotels and only one's opened. It's just, uh, it's, it's really a situation where it seems like people are just taking advantage of the whole situation and not really, uh, doing anything about it. So John, there are organizations to me out there who are doing really great work. Caritas, uh, Alan Graham and his group. And those are, those are not run by the city. They're run by different people. They know what's going on. I feel like sometimes it's a shotgun effect with our city. We got so many 
different levels of homelessness, this and that, and yada, yada, yada. But we have some agencies in this town who really do great work. John, thank you. Uh, some of these terms that the city uses are designed to portray these people as victims. They're experiencing homelessness. Others are just flat out designed to confuse the taxpayers. Yeah. Uh, here it says experiencing sheltered homelessness. 1,153 experiencing sheltered homelessness. I, which just seems like that's an oxymoron there. Either they're sheltered or they're homeless. You can't have sheltered homeless. Yes, yes. But that's an example of how they present these confusing terms. Uh, and taxpayers really have no idea what's going on. What they mean by that, by the way, is that they have a roof over their head, but they don't own their own home. That's mm-hmm. what that really means. 1,153. Right. Well, couldn't that be for renters too? They don't own it, but yes. they got a roof over their head. Yes, that could be the case. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text us. News 4 in San Antonio is reporting an update on that gun buyback in San Antonio that we discussed with you a couple of months ago. They're now saying that it was a lot more costly in terms of taxpayer money than was first thought. $127,000 in taxpayer money was spent to buy back 906 guns collected in one day. And uh, get a load of this. There were 16 BB guns or pellet guns collected, three toy guns, 14 gun parts were part of that 906 for $127,000, according to News 4 in San Antonio in this gun buyback on one day in the Alamo City. I've always thought, Melinda, this is just a feel-good deal. You know, some people who, who don't who don't use guns anymore or don't need them, they give them back, and it feels good to get that gift card from HEB. But there's no criminals giving back their guns. There are no wife abusers giving back their guns. There are no people giving back their guns who are, who are bad people. That's, it's, it, it, sometimes it rings a little hollow for me. It's more of a PR move. It's extremely move. hollow, and it is just about a PR move. Uh, th- this has zero impact on the amount of crimes that are being committed with guns. Zero impact on that. Now, I know that the people that do these kind of things said, well, it's never intended to lower crime. It was just about uh, if someone felt safer by no, no longer having that gun in their possession. Why in the world would someone go and turn that in for 50 bucks when yeah. they can actually sell it Sure, for more? Yeah. John Courage is the San Antonio City Council member who made this all happen. And he says, I said from the very beginning, and I've always believed this, this was never intended to lower crime. Well, it, it didn't. How, how, it, it's not. And how could, how could it lower crime unless bad guys or some, some very thoughtful parent said, I don't need to keep this pistol in my house. I've got little precocious kids. But You know what is intended to lower crime? Police. And you took about a dozen officers and put them on your gun buy back program instead of having them out there policing. 51 San Antonio police officers mm. worked on this. It cost $27,322 of taxpayer money to pay them overtime or regular time, either to be on site to collect these guns or the time it took San Antonio PD to test fire the weapons 
and enter casings into the ATF's NIBN database. So there was a lot of work involved yeah. for these officers. A lot of work involved. And I don't know if they were pulled off of doing something else, but that is like a likely outcome there. And then, too, when you look at the amount of money that the taxpayers put out for this, just so this this one council member could feel good about themselves? Yes. And he's going to run for mayor, too, now that he's done this. This happened in November. Yeah. Uh, City Council Member John Courage tells News 4, look, all of these people who brought in these guns, even the toy guns, got gift cards to HEB. And if we can help people go out and buy a Thanksgiving dinner for their family or allow them to go out and buy toys for their grandchildren or maybe toys at Christmas time for their kids, that's a great return on the taxpayer's money. You know, that uh, You're no longer keeping something in your home that you did not want that might make you feel unsafe. He says, I actually suggest this is an outstanding use of taxpayer money. Well, as Melinda pointed out, if you want to buy gifts for your children or Thanksgiving turkey, go sell it to a licensed dealer, and you will get quadruple the money you're going to get from an HEB card. Last I checked, it wasn't taxpayers' responsibility to pay for Christmas gifts for other people. (laughs) You're cold over there, cold-hearted. But true, you're absolutely right. It's not our responsibility. That's Many with charity. taxpayers are having trouble buying their own yeah. Christmas gifts for their kids. 512-836-0590. Fox News is reporting exclusively that Tony Bobolinsky, who was part of the inner, inner circle of the Biden foreign business circle, is testifying today before the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees. He had a written opening statement that was released to Fox News before he went behind closed doors and started giving testimony on his direct personal experience with Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and the rest of the Biden family. Uh, The brand. The brand. um, Nothing really shocking out of this. We've heard from Bo Belinsky. um, Well, Way back in 2020. Yes. What did stand out to me in this report was the fact that no one in the federal investigation of Hunter has even spoken with this dude or reached out to him to gather any kind of information. Yes. A decorated member of the United States Navy. He says, uh, I was there in China. When uh, Joe Biden met with the head of CEFC, which is directly linked to the Chinese Communist Party, I was there. I was personally involved. And uh, he's expected to go in depth. He says the Biden family was enriched to the tune of tens of millions of dollars from our most dangerous adversaries, including China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, Kazakhstan, and other foreign entities. I'd like to blame the Obama administration and President Obama and his group for not not recognizing recognizing this in 2015 and just go walk down the hallway and say, Joe, what in the heck is going on with your brother and Hunter getting rich off of your name? It's our administration. What's going on here, Joe? This is outlandish. People moan about the Trump sons, you know, all the time about what they do, but never, ever, ever at the levels of $7 million 
in 2017 and 2018 for largely unknown business services. All right, 512-836-0590. You can weigh in with your thoughts. 326, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. 332, so good to have you with us. Let's go to Matt on KLBJ with some thoughts on today's update to the Austin City Council on the homeless. Hello, Matt. Welcome. How are you doing? Hello, guys. Doing great. Uh, Great show. Uh, I believe it was last week, there was a small blip about TxDOT buying seven acres of land and donating it to, I think it was uh, the Alan Graham Project, to relocate the homeless people who are camped under overpasses that are scheduled for demolition with the I-35 project. So what does TxDOT have to do with housing the homeless? Is this just another example of our city council or whomever just uh, spending money like drunken sailors over the homeless? We, we got to get a handle on this homeless issue. This thing is a feel-good to me, Matt, because it's a feel-good that the governor was involved in this, the city's involved in this, kind of a unified effort of it, and maybe it will help some problems by moving those people out who are living underneath I-35. And the thing is, it's all well and good, but I feel like a lot of those who live under I-35 want to live under I-35. They, they're not interested. But, but, but Ed, Austin has a homeless department. Yes. Yes. Right? What does TxDOT have to do with relocating the homeless? Is this even legal? for Department of Transportation to spend money uh, regarding the homeless? That's my question. Who's in charge of our tax dollars? Well, uh, I get the impression that the Austin City Council was not involved. This is a state-funded, state idea endorsed by Governor Greg Abbott, and state taxpayers bought the land out there. And I think you're raising a good question. Yeah, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. It's totally ridiculous. And I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not a cold-hearted person as far as the homeless that are homeless not by choice. All right, man, I'm a disabled you. citizen. I've been working. I provide for myself. So I don't have any sympathy for people who are homeless by choice. Matt, thank you. Have a good afternoon, sir. Were you going to make a comment, Melinda? Well, it's an expansion of what the state has already done um, as far as that Esperanza community, I think it's called. And they have done a fantastic job out there and they're expanding on it. I said when this, I don't have a problem with the state doing this. However, I do think that the city of Austin should be using some of their money to go towards it because the city of Austin, the voters, voted a long time ago that we should not allow for this camping, yet the city of Austin has continued to allow it, and now you've got the state picking up the tab to move some people, even if they're willing to go, uh, to move them, and that shouldn't be on the state because they shouldn't be there to begin with. 
512-836-0590. Public school teachers in West Virginia are leaving the job in droves because of the rotten behavior by the students in the classrooms. Now the West Virginia State Senate has passed a bill to deal with this rising problem of the terrible behavior of the students. It covers grades K through 6. It requires students in those grades whose behavior in the classroom is violent, threatening, or intimidating towards staff or students and impedes the learning environment are going to be moved out Get them out of here. Get them into a county behavioral intervention program. You know, on the surface, Mel, if I can jump in, I, I think this is a, a, a good move, but I think it's ill-devised Ill because 34 of West Virginia's 55 counties, they don't have, they don't have a problem, a, a, a program in place. They have no facility, so that means the kids from those that are, that are acting out are going to have to go to another county. That doesn't make sense to me. Before they do this, they better start building facilities in that state where the kids can stay in their own communities. I basically like it, though, to get bad kids out of the situation and get them some type of counseling or intervention. only thing I dislike about it is it should be for all grade levels. I don't know why they're stopping at sixth grade. You got the problems in the upper grade levels as well. This is probably the most detailed account of what to do with bad behavior and it is involving the teachers it is involving the school administration and i think that this is how it should be i mean we're talking about not only do they have to go to a county behavior intervention program they are going to have to have an assessment completed by a school psychologist and then when they return there's a probationary period and if something happens then, you are out of the school for the rest of the semester. And here's something that really grabs me. After the first incident, the student involved would be immediately removed from the classroom. Mm-hmm. One and done. They're not fooling around in West Virginia anymore. They know they have to do something because the tr- the teachers are leaving in large numbers because of this issue. Yeah, You can weigh in with your thoughts, 512 512- Eight three six zero five ninety. The people who are leading this effort in the West Virginia Senate say we've been putting this together with the help of teachers, union representatives, State Department of Education, parents. We're getting all kinds of influence and input on this. We have to take strong action. Yeah, they have to take strong action, and this is so much better than taking a child to the principal's office and within the hour he's back in the same desk. That makes no sense to me, never has made any sense to me. And the teachers are, uh, like you said, Mark, are abandoning. They're leaving the industry, and it's so unnecessary. We're not doing anything to benefit the kids when you do that. Just rotate them back in. I hate that the state legislation has to be the one that comes in and, and decides something like this. It would be nice to see the actual school districts do them do this themselves, But when you get to the level of a problem that this is and nothing's being done about it, they need to step in. And this needs to be happening in every state. There was an effort to do this here in Texas, but it died in the last session of the legislature. It it was not exactly like this, but the, the desired result was the same. It was the tougher sp- the, on discipline. The sponsor recognized we have the same problem here in Texas, and he was trying to come up with a system 
to take the pressure off of the kids who want to learn and the teachers. Now think about that. And, and the opposition was so strong, he couldn't get it through the legislature here in Texas. It was well thought out. It was responding to a critical need, and it didn't get through the legislature. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe someone in his family, maybe his wife, had been in the school district, was a teacher. So he was coming from a place where he knew. And then you have so many people that are making decisions on education that don't know the first thing about education and how it's ran. 512-836-0590. You can join the discussion with Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 341 at KLBJ. Enjoy the podcasts of Mark, Melinda, and Ed at your convenience. You'll find them on NewsRadioKLBJ.com or via the free KLBJ app. The House is expected to take a vote again tonight on the articles of impeachment for Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Biden Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre talked about it at her briefing earlier today. They want to continue continue on the, sa- the shameful uh, process of impeaching him. It's baseless. It is baseless. And so, uh, look, they should drop this. She says it is in no way justified by the Constitution. Well, I think it is justified by the Constitution because there's evidence everywhere. Ask the mayor of New York City, Chicago, Boston, uh, Eagle Pass. Has he been derelict in his duties? Well, heck yes, he's been derelict in his duties. Will it mean anything? No, because he's on the mission for the Biden administration. It's it's symbolic to me, but it is another another a way that people could, should realize that this is such a broken system we have with Mayorkas and Biden. The Biden. follow-up question should have been, would you rather we impeach Biden? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because he's the, that's who he's taking orders from. Yes. Uh, if Mayorkas is good enough to impeach, then President Biden is good enough to impeach on this as well. They're failing to do their responsibilities there at the border. Steve Scalise is expected to be back for this vote. The Republican from Louisiana missed the previous vote last week for cancer treatments. So if all of the Republicans who were there last week show up tonight and then you add in Scalise, uh, they should be victorious by one vote in the impeachment vote tonight. Again, Mark, I think it's just going to be symbolic because it won't – the Senate won't go along with this. Uh, They're not enough brave Democrats – who will risk being ostracized by their by many members of their party? But you did just make the case that you see value in impeaching Mayorkas. Well, sure I do. I, but I I think Melinda's right. I think ultimately people should talk at the voting booth uh, in November. That's gonna that's gonna change everything. Uh, you can weigh in with your thoughts five one two eight three six zero five ninety. Also, Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher is criticizing President Biden for opening a TikTok account. He opened it and started using it on Sunday, the day of the Super Bowl. Those who have invested in ByteDance, if they ever want the company, if they ever want TikTok to go public in the U.S., there's no way that's going to happen under the current ownership structure. So we have to have a complete separation going forward to alleviate the national security concerns. Uh, He's... uh upset that the Biden administration did this for the campaign while the federal government, everybody who works there was told, do not load TikTok on your government devices. 
And I know that it was said, well, you know, that was Congress. That was Congress' decision to move forward with that. Biden had to sign off on it. And Biden has publicly before said TikTok's not good. It's just interesting. And I know why he's doing it. It's it's a hope to reach young people. It is a hope that he can somehow connect with them, and that will mean a vote for him. 512-836-0590-348 now. Tony is calling from Temple. He's an ex-probation officer and wants to weigh in on West Virginia's plan for dealing with the violent students. Hello, Tony. How are you this afternoon? Almost sounds like I'm one of the X-Men. <laughs> uh, yeah, I did, uh, from 83, I, I did eight years with adult probation in Bell County, and then I had my own business for a while, and then from 98 to uh, 2018, 20-year career in juvenile probation. Um, you know, my, I used to visit my kids in alternative ed schools and, you know, Colleen, and uh, that was where you put some of those kids that, you know, couldn't be, uh, wouldn't conform with basic rules in the school and wasted a lot of the teacher's time. And if they didn't do well in that alternative school, we had what was called a JJAP, Juvenile Justice Alternative Education. And um, that was a stress place. I mean, it was it was a place of, of great stress. The AEP and JJAP uh, and hard, always hard to find people. And then the alternative passed that for kids that didn't do well there and then who committed various offenses was our juvenile detention center there in Colleen, Texas. And then the judge could put you, could confine you in a six-month uh, placement for, to, to try to work on your needs, behavior, drugs, all that. Um, and now I find out that it is so difficult to get someone to work in juvenile detention, in not only juvenile, in, in the detention center, that uh, the commissioners probably would like to shut it all down. I guess that and the placement center, which um, I think we even were taking kids from maybe Coriel County at times in our facility. But once I got out in 2018, it wasn't long before you could literally not touch a kid, but they could slap you up against the wall or, or hit you in the face. It's really, uh, you know, there's no easy pat answers for what to do with a kid in school who's unruly, disrespectful, doesn't give a crud about anything. It, it really is a sad situation. Uh, it, that's dangerous, in my view, if they feel impunity that they can slap you across the face yeah. without any consequences. Tony, thank you, sir, for weighing in from Temple. Uh, they're invincible, I guess is the way they see it. Right. If they can pop uh, the probation officer in the and, face. And nothing's going to happen. And that's just, you've got to start paying people more in that profession for what they do. Uh, Will is with us at 352, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Will, good afternoon. Welcome. How are hey. you? Hey, guys. How's it going? Fine, Will. Hey, I was calling back because uh, I just got out of a meeting here a little bit ago, and somebody brought up, the American hostages still being held by Hamas? No. Right. So nobody seems to be bringing that up or talking about it. So at one of the meetings today at the Pentagon, one of the guys said, hey, uh, what's our progress on this? And we were told point blank 
that the administration is considering them as Israelis because they were in Israel and they're Jewish. Wow. Hmm. Now, see, the president, uh, I've, I've heard the president say, uh, I'm working around the clock to get those U.S. citizen hostages released. Uh-huh. What, say one thing in public and it's another thing yes. behind well, closed here's, doors? Here's the, here's the clue. Have you heard Jake Tapper or any of these idiots actually talk about the fact this is day 92 or day 105, 140? No. 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 No, they're not. Well, thank you. Uh, they're not bringing it up at all. In fact, if they do talk about the situation in Israel, they're criticizing Israel. Here's John mm-hmm. Kirby today talking about the Israeli operations in Gaza. Too many uh, of the uh, many thousands of people killed in the Gaza conflict have been innocent civilians. Too many. And we have been very, very clear about our concerns with our Israeli counterparts about that. Part of the strategy, because he's trying to soften his stance, the president is, uh, with with uh, the, the Muslim community in Michigan, key state for him. And uh, it is – it's the president is in a quandary because politics are at play. But I think as Americans, we need to be pro-Israeli, and I think Israel needs to – and I would assume they are trying to do what they have to do to rid the world of Hamas – with not killing innocents. All right, 512-836-0590. We'll get you up to date with the news next. At the top of the hour, much more to cover. Mark and Melinda, all the way to 6 on KLBJ. Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults aged 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ.